Kings 6 is a passage of Scripture. How many of you were here on Sunday night? Shoot, I should have preached the whole thing over again. It was a good word. I mean, I got ministered to myself. Hallelujah. 2 Kings 6. Well, let me just read a little bit of this to refresh your memory, and then we'll go in what I believe to be part two of recovering the cutting edge, except I've got a different name for it tonight. 2 Kings 6, verse 1, New King James. And the sons of the prophets said to Elijah, See now, the place where we, where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there. And let us make there a place where we may dwell. He answered, he answered and said, Go. So the, the school of the prophets is, is grown. They're out of space. I know what it's like to be in a home that's too small. Maybe you do. You just need more rooms. <laughs> thankful. How many of you are thankful for the roof over your head? How many of you are thankful for food in your belly tonight? Come on, most of, most of the world's looking for that. A roof over their head and some food. Well, the problem here is they need, they need a bigger place. And so they go to the Jordan and they're going to they're cut down some trees. Verse 5 says, But as one, was, as one was cutting down the tree, the iron axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, Alas, my master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where did it fall? And the, the, the long and the short of it is, the brother lost the axe head. And we talked briefly about chopping down trees. I gave the illustration from Alaska about chainsaws, because I have a really cool one, and I like it. In fact, it spent the winter next to my wood stove inside you walk into my house, the first thing you see is a nice brand new chainsaw. He's, got, right, he's like part hick. Absolutely, that's right. Talked about how even though I had a great chainsaw, if the chain is dull, it doesn't cut very good. And the picture is on the axe head, and then we'll get into tonight's message. The picture is this. Ecclesiastes 10.10. 10. When the axe head is dull, very hard to chop down a tree. The, the New Testament application that I gave is a sharp axe head represents the, the power of the Holy Spirit. The cutting edge power of the Spirit of God moving in your life. And so oftentimes the church... Jack, I might preach. I'm going to get myself fired up. So oftentimes the church is trying to get a job done, build the house, with a dull axe. I will tell you that my whole generation, the 20-something crowd, they... Hey, they are sick of religion. They can't stand religion. They hate it. They can smell it afar off and won't want anything to do with it. They don't. The Apostle Paul said, I've not come with the eloquence of man or the wisdom of man, but the demonstration of the power of the Spirit. God's plan is to build His church. In fact, Jesus said, I will. It's His will. He wants to do it. It's His idea. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. There is supernatural demonic power that is against us. But don't worry. Don't fret. Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged because God has given us power over the enemy. However, if you've lost your axe head, you've lost the power, you've lost the cutting edge, baby, you have a problem. And you'll have a big problem trying to build the house that God wants you to build. The house represents 
your family, but it also represents the kingdom. His house. Your house is in His house. It's part of His house. And with a dull axe, you will not be able to do it. With no power, I don't care how good you can teach. I don't care how good the teaching is you're underneath. You can teach yourself into one big dry cave. You say, are you getting down on the teaching? It, listen, it is part of the five-fold ministry, but let's just call it part of the five-fold. It's absolutely important. I, I, I have a hard time listening to, to dead teaching. On, I, I, in fact, I don't listen. I will turn it off. You say, but that's the Bible. Well, it's still dead. I mean, I mean, the Word goes forth. Don't get me wrong. The Word goes out. It doesn't return void. So, I mean, God can use it. But dead, dead church, at, you know, dull axe church is not what's changing the world today. And America's going to have a move of God. I believe that we're headed for a church that's on fire. And we want to be that. And so the message, and this will be part two tonight, the message on Sunday night was, have you lost your axe head? Have you lost the edge? If you've ever swung an axe, which I have done, and I've, and I've had an axe head come off, but I will tell you, when it came off, it wasn't like it just went slinging across my property. You know why? Because when axe heads start to come off, you notice. It starts rattling. It starts making a sound. It starts sliding down the handle. I don't know the design of uh, an Old Testament axe head, but I will tell you that iron was very rare. The Iron Age is very expensive. An iron axe head. I didn't even touch that Sunday night. But what Jesus has purchased for you and me is very costly. Free for you and me, but understand that Jesus died on a cross, rose again from the grave for you and I, that we might have power from on high to move forward, to accomplish what He's called us to, to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Praise God! You know, you, you ought to get excited about people getting healed of cancer. I mean, that is our... Uh, what is that, like our seventh person in recent years of, of people getting completely healed of cancer with a report, waving it around, waving it in the air. Whoa! Thank you, Jesus, heal of cancer. All kinds of people getting healed. How does that happen? By a sharp axe. All right, are you there in First Chronicles? Depending upon where you're from in our country, it could be First Chronicles. Or First Chronicles, you may stand now. We do that for the reading of the Word and just give honor. Go ahead, stretch your legs out. You can't say church was dull tonight. You just stood up like twice. First Chronicles, well, the text that I've taken is from chapter 27, starting in verse 25. Seeing as I'm a little woozy, having a hard time with name pronunciation, I want you to note, before we read the main verse, that there's a lot of names here. And they all have individual jobs given to them by King David. Watch this. Verse 27. No, 28. Belhanan, the Girdite, was over the olive trees and the sycamore trees that were in the lowlands, and Joash was over the store of oil. That'll preach. Let's pray. God, move in power tonight through this text and through that which you have spoken to me.
Change us, I pray. Let us, Lord, recover the cutting edge. Let us be mindful of the level of oil in our life. Lord, move in power. And there were many moments of this service and all those that are online, those that are gathered here tonight, in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. It's a great honor to be chosen here in this text by the King to do anything, just as it would be a great honor to be chosen by the President, perhaps, to do something for our government. It's a great honor to be selected to to do a, a job that's worthy of honor. Can you imagine? You got a phone call. They want you to head up the revival prayer meeting at the White House. Come on, somebody. <laughs> As a matter of fact, God has given every, every believer a place to serve. Every single person has a place to serve. And I, I went over, alluded to all of these, there's all these different jobs that are listed there. They're the royal officers of David. I want you to know, according to Scripture, that each of us, each of you, has a place to serve in the kingdom. Not, and I don't, and I, let, me, let me bring it down to brass tacks. Not just in the kingdom, here, in the church. You need to find it. You need to find what it is. Ephesians 2.10 says, where We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to good, do good works. God prepared in advance for us to do. So this list of officials that we see here in 1 Chronicles 27, each, play, each person had a special place of service. And it's also interesting to note as we look at the text that each person had a name. I can't pronounce them, but they all had a name. In other words... He knew, he knew who they were. And it's so, so important was their name that it was recorded in Scripture. There's the song that I wish I could sing. It's about a man that went to go visit an orphanage. And he was so grieved, all these orphans. That there were so many, they didn't even know all the names. Can you imagine all the Haitian children that came in without parents? I mean, they don't know what their names are, these little babies. They don't know, maybe they don't have brothers or sisters. It's just a baby. They don't, they don't even know what the baby's name is. Their parents gave them a name intended for that baby to have a great life and their parents got wiped out on the earthquake. When you, some of you forgot about Haiti. Chile. There's orphans, right? There's people that lost their parents and nobody knows their name. Years ago, this worship leader and servant of the Lord was visiting an orphanage. So many kids and he was, was crying at night because nobody knew their name. And the Lord spoke to him and said, I know their name. He knows my name. He knows your name. And he knew every, God knows every one of these guys' names, and David knew their name. And God knows your name. And he knows what you're called to. And he knows your frame. And he knows what you're going through. He knows the difficulty that you're in. There's no temptation that sees you except that which is common to man. And God will make a way of escape underneath it, even though it might seem like you're about to, to cave in and you don't know which way to turn. God knows your name and He wants to bring you through. And He's got something for you to do. Just as He had something for these. Can you turn the lights on the cross for me? Thanks. I like it. Come on, somebody say, He knows my name. 
Matthew 10, 29 says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very heads, pardon me, even the very hairs, well, some people don't have hair. Truth be told, I have some. And so do you if you're bald. God bless you. The point is, He knows every hair on your head. He knows every star and he, and by name. Scientists say that stars die. They don't die. They just don't know where they go. He knows every star, every one by name. He took the anvil of time, stuck the hem of creation and caught the sparks. and Threw them out. They're the stars. He knows every one by name. He knows how planets spin around in their universe 100,000 light years across our universe. He created it. We're just figuring it out, trying to. The intricacies of the universe, the working of the human body. God is absolutely in control. He knows about the oil leak at the bottom of the gulf. And we're praying that God turns the thing off or sticks His thumb in it or whatever, however He wants to do it. We're praying that God would do that. Even now, in Jesus' name. God knows us. And He has a place for you to serve. He knows your capacities. And, and furthermore, each person is supposed to be placed. Now, when you find a position of where you're operating in your giftings and flowing in the place that you should be, there is nothing at all better than that. I will tell you, as I stand up here as your pastor, that... I'm in the perfect will of God. No, I know that I am. How do you know? I know. How come? He told me. Amen. I got an inner witness. I got peace. I, you know, I was telling my family, I said, man, I, I got gained all my weight back. I was working out and just feeling like I wanted to lose my lunch. Anybody ever work out? Get sick from working out? Huh? Okay. So I was feeling really nauseous. And I thought, oh, I'm so fat. God help me. And the Lord said, yeah, but you're happy. <laughs> I'm fat and happy. <laughs> then I went and took my blood pressure today. It's time to get back in shape. We could spend time talking about all these little duties, these different shores, and I don't mean to call them little because every one of them had great importance. We could take time going over all those, but I want to look specifically at that one text, the one verse, verse 28, and look at this man whose name is Joash, the keeper of the oil. Now, I've tried to discover, and uh, truth is, I probably didn't have enough study time to tell you where all the oil is stored in the temple in the Old Testament. I'm curious to that. I'll have to find out. I know in their homes they were stored in earthen vessels, and, and you can see that throughout Scripture. But apparently there's a job here, a special place of service for the king who had the responsibility of the storehouse of keeping the oil for the temple. Now, oil was very important in Jewish society. I, I just want to break it down and teach you sort of a little bit about oil, then I'm going to bring it home, all right, in part two of recovering the cutting edge or getting your oil back. 
duties of an oil keeper? Well, to keep the oil. And as I said, oil was important. It was used religiously, Leviticus 2.1, Leviticus 7.1, if you're taking notes, Leviticus 7.14. It was used for anointing oil. You'll see that in Genesis. I should say Exodus, rather, pardon me. It was used for lamp, for lamp fuel, Exodus 27.20. In other words, they used olive oil to burn lamps. It was used in commerce. You'll see 1 Kings 5.11 talks about that. And it was used for medicinal purposes, Luke 10.34. And it was also used for cooking and cosmetics. Olive oil was a very key ingredient. And it represents, olive oil represents, or is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And so literally, in that day, in the Old Testament day, the keeper of the oil was responsible for the lights not going out. No, no, really. He actually had the job, and like, I don't know how it was stored, but I kind of imagine it's in a, in a, in a cellar, in a cold place, a storage place, and he would, he would be the steward over it to make sure that they didn't run out. And it's a picture of... Of us, the people of God. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Well, you can't let anything shine without the oil. You need oil to let your lamp shine. The keeper of the oil was responsible. His duty was to make sure that there was enough of it. And if there wasn't enough or they began to run low, he'd have to do something about it. They'd have to go make some oil. It's interesting if you do a study... You'll notice I'm a little... How many of you notice I'm a little funny about oil? If you've been around, you'll start to notice. He's a little weird about oil. Yeah. I cannot stand... I, I don't, we don't use just crisp, you know, any kind of corn oil. We don't use corn oil. We don't use, we don't use just regular olive oil. When I, when I get oil, I go and get first cold press. First cold press oil. All right? It doesn't have to be from Jerusalem. Well, that's kind of cool. But it doesn't have to be from Jerusalem. It can be from Italy. I'm fine with that. It doesn't have to be from the grove of where Jesus prayed and the drops became like sweat with blood. And it doesn't have to be from Gethsemane, all right? I'm just, you know, that'd be cool and everything. I've, I've seen that kind of thing. But the first press of oil, first fruits, that's what they used for anointing oil. And I've forgotten how it goes. Second press goes to, uh, goes to lamps. I think the third press goes to... Uh, goes for medicinal purposes. The first press went to God. That's the extra virgin, really green-looking stuff. Unboiled, unpurified, cold-pressed olive oil. When the oil would run low, the keeper of the oil, his duty was to tell the guy who would then go get it. It's a picture of the church. It's a picture of you and me. How's your oil level? It reminds me of the virgins that went with their lamps trimmed and their, their, their lamps full and their wicks trimmed. Five were smart. Five were stupid. Foolish is the biblical name. They were foolish. They didn't bring enough oil. And when the bridegroom came, they had to run back and get oil. Oil represents your intimacy with God. Represents the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Represents the sharp edge of your axe. How's your oil? How's your oil level? You see, we individually need to be keepers of the oil for, for our family, 
for our homes, for our children. If the oil level starts to get low, do what the psalmist did. He said in Psalm, I think it's Psalm 92, Psalm 92, I will be anointed with fresh oil. I'm going to tell you it is a choice that you make to rejoice. It's a choice. You choose it. Teaching my kids this. Daniel was having a hard time with his sister and I made them hold hands until they got over it and talked it out. A seven-year-old and a ten-year-old. That was precious. And the last thing they want to do is hold hands. And there they are, two chairs facing each other. This was their, this was their, their time of training. You get, I see parents looking at me like, dude, I'm doing that right there. Yeah, you have to hold hands and work it out. and You can't get up until you've worked it out. And so there they are. They began to talk. They got in a fight. I, you know, that's not what I said. Yes, you did. No, you did. I had to stop them. I said, you'll sit here longer if you keep doing it. Then. You need to reason together, forgive each other, get over it, hug, and it'll be over. You won't have to hold hands anymore, and we'll move on and have a great day. Go ahead. And, 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 and oh, yeah. That works great for marriage counseling. She said, absolutely. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> So they're holding hands and they're, they're trying to work it out. And they had a hard time and finally they did it. And they had to forgive and submit to it. They didn't agree that they, they were able to forgive, get over it. And I, and I wouldn't let them up until they had joy. So it's not like, yeah, okay, we're over it, fine. That's no good. You're going to have to have joy before you get up and let go of their hands. And they, they genuinely got it. Some people think that's child abuse. No, it isn't. It's teaching people to control their emotions. It's teaching kids. Look, I'm going to tell you something. When we serve green vegetables in our house, they might have liked it the week before. Now they don't like it. How many of you have kids? Okay, guess what? We're not going to serve you a vegetable that you hate. But if you liked it last week and now you don't, and they genuinely might not like it, you're still going to eat it. Why is that? Because I don't want them smoking dope. And some people say, how do you relate that? If you can't force your flesh to do something that you don't want to do, then you'll be yielding to that later on in your life. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I know. I sowed to my flesh for years. Hello. Some of you did too and still do, and that's why I'm not looking at anybody. And that's why you still have a hard time, because you can't control your emotions. You get all upset and come to church, and you can't lay that thing down and offer up a sacrifice of praise. You learn to sacrifice sacrifice of praise, and you'll have the, the, you'll have the gates of your prison, get busted open by the power of the Holy Ghost. You don't have to feel like worshiping, right? It has nothing to do with feeling. It has everything to do with Him being worthy. That's sign language for worthy. He's worthy. He died for you. He's in control. And you're just having a flesh problem. Get over it. Lift your hands. Lift your voice. Say, I don't sing well. Well, hum. Do something. Do whatever you got to do. And begin to offer up a worship to God. So, I, so my, my kids were, you know, they had the breakthrough. They had joy. And then I said, ask, I asked Danny, I said, okay, I want to hear what you guys learned now. You're, we're all done. And they're like, oh, come on, Dad, can't we go? I said, you can go, but teach me what you learned. And Danny says, all right, I got it. Hannah's like, I don't know. I go, what did you learn, son? He goes, his tears kind of come up in his eyes. And he says, a, a man needs to learn to control his emotions. I said, you know, I'm going to tell you, Sunday nights, 
My kid sits right there. He might be playing with tiddlywinks and Legos, but the Word of God goes in. What do you think Sunday nights we don't have children's ministry on purpose? They can hear. That stuff doesn't come out of somebody who's not getting trained and discipled. My seven-year-old says, a man of God needs to be in control of his emotions. Come on, all the women ought to say amen. Now, a woman of God, <laughs> a woman of God needs to be in control of her emotions too. We don't want to let you off the hook. What are you saying, Pastor Daniel? I'm saying you need to learn to check yourself. And being filled with fresh oil as the keeper of the oil in your home, you need to take a look and say, have I lost my axe head? Have I lost the oil? Am I out of oil? Look, my wife tells me when I'm out of oil. When I'm, when I'm running low on oil, I'm sna- I, my staff could tell you. Where's Micah? Micah, come to the front of the church. Micah. Oh, he's upstairs. That's right. Okay, well, praise the Lord. Stay where you are. Never mind. You can ask my staff, you know, the, when I start fasting, I start having a hard time or I'm under prayer, I get a little edgy. Where's my report? You know, I get a little, a little edgy. When I start getting edgy, I'm usually a little low on oil. When I'm full of oil, I look like it. I'm glowing. I want to hug everybody. I just want to tell them how much I love them and appreciate them. And, you know, then I'm correcting with love as opposed to correcting in the flesh. Some of you have a very low oil level. My truck, I was driving my truck recently, and uh, I've noticed that my truck, as in other vehicles I've had, makes a different sound when the oil's low. The valves tap a little bit. It makes this little, no, you don't have to find little tick, 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 tick. So I heard the tick, tick, and realized I hadn't checked the oil in a little bit and done a lot of driving. So I checked it, and man, it needed, it was, it was, it was two quarts low. Some of you were two quarts low. Yeah, you're, you're hearing the tick, tick, tick. Yeah, you step on it, and it's all, yeah, right? Yeah, got an anger problem. Oh, forget it, man. Preach, pastor, that's, hey, bring it! Oh, that's a good word. You're talking to me. Come on, look at somebody and say, I need some oil. It's a choice to get anointed. It is a choice to get fresh oil. And we wait for the pastor to come and bring it or for the next book to be written so that we can read it. We wait for the next altar call. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, my brethren, beloved in the Lord, it is your responsibility to have your oil full. You are the keeper of your own oil. And we want to blame everybody, but the truth is you're responsible for that. You're responsible for getting on fire. You're responsible for the cutting edge in your life. Well, how do you get on fire? The easiest way I know is to fast and pray and read the Word. I fast, pray, read the Word, and I just get crazy. Another way I know is operating to, to, to move forward in the gifting that God's given me. I, one of the ways I get really on fire is I just go push myself out in the community. If I go knocking on doors and start ministering to people that I don't know and don't go to my church, the fire starts falling everywhere. I've got a gift of an evangelist that's on me, one of the gifts. And, and before I know it, I'm on the third house or the fourth house. I think I, I led 14 people to Christ, 13 people to Christ in 45 minutes once using this sheet that a child could use. None of, my, none of my gifts that I 
you know, none of my, you know, scriptures and stuff that I memorized, all the little systems of the woodman at the well and all the little things I've learned in the four spiritual laws and all the little ways to lead people to Jesus. I didn't use any of those. I used this little script. By the time I led the 13th person to Christ, I was absolutely a freak. I was so on fire. I, in fact, I, I, was, I was dancing. I was jigging a little bit. I just was shaking with joy. Over, overloaded. Just <laughs> walk into Starbucks and the place looks. Me and my friends were just like Moses. <sighs> Walking, looking for the next miracle. Some of you need to get on fire. You need to get your oil filled. Be the keeper of the oil in your house, in your life. Don't stop blaming people. Stop yielding to the flesh. Control your own emotions, as my son said. He's preaching already from upstairs. A man or woman of God needs to control his own emotions. Learn to sacrifice your praise. You don't feel like it? The day that you're able to lift your hands and worship when you feel like dying and rolling over and quitting is a great day of worship. That's a great day of worship. Want to do that? You do that and you'll begin to have breakthrough. Now, I learned this. I learned the principle of filling, of, my, of filling my oil cellar, my oil tank, if you will, filling my two quarts low. My main thing for me is worship. And so what I will do is, I mean, I just might feel like all the world is caving in. And I've had days like that. My life was like that. It's not like that now. And all of it's caving in. I would sing. And I don't feel like singing. And my voice might have been half gone at times. And I could hardly think of a song to sing, but I could get something. And I'd start singing that. And I just feel like quitting, but I just force myself to sing. And I, I just sing and sing and sing and sing. And before I know it, I feel like singing. Then I'm, then I'm beginning to sing with all my heart. And then after I'm singing with all my heart, I'm moving into the next level where God's singing with me. And then before I know it, man, I'm, I'm, I'm singing with angels. I mean, the power of God starts coming on my life. And before I know it, that which was this massive mountain of obstacle has become a molehill. God has filled me with His fire, filled me with His power, and then He begins to speak to me about how to handle my massive mountain. Some of you don't get to that place because you don't feel like it. And you think that God's just going to come and, and, and hit you or bless you or give you something. No, you have to participate. You've got to be a keeper of your own oil. Michael, could you come please? Give me all for my lamb. Keep me burning, burning, burning. Give me all for my lamp, I pray. We did the Alaska version on Tuesday. <laughs> Give me all for my saw. Keep me cutting, cutting, cutting. Give me all for my saw. <laughs> Can't cut without any oil. Might have a sharp edge, but you still have to have oil. I'm done. Stand up on your feet. Come on. You know, I'm sure a lot of people in the Old Testament didn't think much about the oil guy. You need to hear this. I'm sure there were those that had the great job in the temple, like the high priest. 
I don't think the high priest might have thought this way, but I'm sure there were people who thought, so what do you do, Joash? I keep the oil. <laughs> well, hope that goes well for you. A seemingly insignificant job, but very significant. You know what Joash means? I didn't think so. Jehovah fire, fired by Jehovah. You might think that what you're doing and where you are, listen to me, this is an important point as we close this. Talking about the infilling of the Holy Spirit and walking in power, but let me bring it to some practical aspects. You might think that where you are in God is insignificant. You might think that where you are is unnoticed. God notices and He knows your name. And your job as you serve the Lord is critical to the function of the whole thing. Come on, it's, it's, it's the body working together, built up by Him. And I had somebody try to give me a great compliment and I, I received it, but I, I'm, I'm really clear. I'm really clear that I need Him. I need you. I need you. You. I need all of you. And guess what? You need me. Yeah. You need Him. You need y'all, y'all. Go ahead and look around. Now, some, some one of the problems is that the body of Christ is on a gurney tonight. You know what a gurney is? Yeah, but the head's functioning fine. Jesus is the head. Some of you are supposed to be lungs. Some of you are supposed to be feet, kneecaps. Some of you are supposed to be mouthpieces, earpieces, hands, fingers, toes. Let's stop it. vessels in a house. Some for use for noble purposes. Some for ignoble. Some are made of wood. Some are made of gold. The point is this. I don't know where you are or really even where I am. I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But we cannot do this thing without each other. I don't care how well you preach or prophesy or pray. You think it's a one-man show, you'll be all by yourself, being totally ineffective. We need each other. We need each other. So as the keeper of the oil of this house, because I keep the oil in this house, that's my job. My job makes sure that I'm bringing you fresh oil from heaven, which I believe I've done tonight. But if I'm the only one keeping the oil in this house, we're not going to have a real revival. You see, you got to come full. Come with anticipation. Come hungry, believing that another person will get healed with cancer. Believing that not just in the house, but the house would then expand. And that everywhere that you go, 
Everywhere that you are, you'll begin to see God show up and show off everywhere. Oh, that we would have our vats filled with oil. Come on, make a commitment tonight to get on fire. Quit looking at your circumstances. Your circumstances aren't going to determine whether you're on fire. Look, your internal reality will create your external circumstances. And if you're dead and dying on the inside, then that's what you will have all around you. Get on fire. Get full of life. Tear down strongholds. Get filled with oil. And you'll begin to see the circumstances of your life bow before the name of Jesus by the power of the oil of the Holy Ghost. Your circumstances will bow before the sharp axe of His power. Your circumstances will change if you'll stand up in your God-given dominion as a child of God and realize that He died on a cross so that you could be a king and priest and begin to beat back the gates of hell and begin to declare what He said you could have. Begin to wage a good... Ah! Begin to wage a good warfare over that Word that He's given you. Don't just sit there like a bump on the log and hope it's going to come day. One day, come to pass. Stand up. Grab the axe of the Holy Ghost and begin to just chop that thing in front of you. Command the mountain to be moved. Command the fig tree that's fruitless to be uprooted. Speak to your circumstances and command them to change and then do everything you can to do, to do right and to believe and to walk in faith and watch that thing shift. Now, and an interesting thing happened that I realized the significance of it right now. Right now. Hope you're listening, Karen. Good. She told me. I can tell. We're one flesh. Amen. I told you that I'm believing for the gift of administration. I got so rebuked. I shared this briefly on Monday, and I'll close with this. It's almost 9 o'clock, okay? Hang on. The Lord told me through a prophetic word that our church is going to double by December. And I thought... Oh, I bind unbelief. Amen. It's going to double by December. Because I've been saying that since I showed up. I'm still going to say it, and it's still going to happen. Now, I believe it's this December, not a year from now. Right? And as I was praying about that, the Lord spoke to me and said, You're not going to grow any bigger than you are right now. Because you're missing some gifts. And I said, yeah, I know. And I know what gift I need. It's the gift of administration. Here's the thing. There's a lot of people, and I had people, and thank you for those of you that spoke up and said, I got that gift, Pastor, I'll help you. But here's the test. And we'll have people that will help, and it'll be great. But here's what God was dealing with me. I not only don't want the gift of administration, I kind of despise it. I, I, I like it in somebody else. I don't even want to come anywhere near my house. No, no. Really, you need to understand it. You need to get it. Okay, you need the gift of administration, son, so that you can go have that doubling I want to bring you. Okay, amen, Lord. Bring it to me. No. No. That's not how we're going to do it. You're going to get the gift. I don't want the gift. Yeah, that's the problem. I'm going to deal with your heart. Because you need it, I want to give it to you, and I'm, I'm like a stubborn little baby. Some of you are just like that. Don't look at me. Some of you just like that with things in your life. I don't want it. 
of my breath. So I repented. I looked in my books today, as just before coming to service, had the message about oil, and I saw this book on administration. I took the class, it was one of my school books. I thought, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Grabbed it, pulled it off, looked at it and went, I'm in. I want the gift. I want it. I mean, God is dealing with it. I'm sorry. I said, God, I want it. And so I opened up the book. I mean, you know, I just got my shirt on. I got to leave in five minutes to get here on time. I open up, I open up the book and I'm reading through it doing church as a team, church administration, this whole thing, I'm reading it through, I'm going, how boring, Jesus, give me hunger for this, amen. And, and then all of a sudden, oh, something starts catching me. I start getting kind of excited about it. I flip through it, and it opens up to a photograph. Opens up to a photograph of my little girl when she was born. Tubes out of her nose, Everywhere intubated I mean everywhere tubes everywhere it was the first picture that was ever taken of my child I had not seen that photograph since I was doing that class when she was born 11 years ago tomorrow Thursday I hadn't seen the photo and I, I looked at it and went oh my goodness and I realized as, as the enemy tried to take my daughter and I fasted and I prayed and I would not let her go she has a destiny from God and she was prophesied and I prophesied myself and I took hold of that thing and I smashed the devil off of my kid and it didn't happen just in one night we really had to fight she had to go she had, you, you love this story since you do babies some of you love babies oh I'm almost done Jesus help me we had to fly her to Honolulu so they put her in a medevac thing and they put her in an in a incubator and I'm waiting in Honolulu when the plane arrives at the airport, at the, at the hospital, and they start wheeling her in. There's four guys, one lady, three guys, wheeling in my daughter. And she's not moving at all. And they come in at the end of the hallway, and I'm running towards them. And they said, you must be the father. I said, yes. He said, well, you don't have anything to worry about. I said, I don't. My kid's like lifeless. He said, no, we had to sedate her. He said, you had to sedate her said, yeah, this is the most aggressive child we have ever seen, has a will to live, was pounding the sides of the incubator and ripping all of her tubes out at, at, at three hours old. They said, we had to sedate her because she was ripping everything out and we had to stop her. You don't have to worry about anything. She has a stronger will to live than we've seen in many, many, many years. I thought, yeah, that's right. She's a bracken. That's why, hallelujah. God's power's on her. She's got purpose. And as I flipped this thing open, I realized I'd allowed my own personal oil in leading this work to wane because it selfishly did not want that gift of administration which bumps me. But I'm starting to like it all of a sudden. And I will tell you this. I'm sorry. And I repent to you for my shortcoming of just wanting to have the anointing that's on my life and just be who I'm supposed to be and have an idea of what that is. God's trying to expand me and I've fought Him for years. I fight Him no more and I'm going to receive that gift and I'm going to keep my own oil and we're going to allow this thing to double by December. I want you to say double.
double by December. We will expand. We will grow. We will move. We will flow. There will be miracles. There's coming, says the Lord. There's coming a new release of power upon you. Those of you who had a set of gifts and you thought that that's all that you had, you're about to be expanded, says the Lord, if you're willing to hunger and earnestly covet, earnestly covet the greater gifts. I'm going to come upon you with power. I'm going to anoint you for this season to bring in the harvest that I've longed to bring in even in this house. I'm removing the obstacles. I'm moving the mountains. I'm uprooting the trees. And I'm building a team, says the Lord, that's going to bring forth the oil of my spirit in this land in a new dimension. Somebody say amen. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, give a hallelujah on three. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Praise God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here tonight, you're not right with God, I want to give you an opportunity to get right with Him. If you've never received Jesus, you want to receive Him tonight for the first time, whether you're online or listening by podcast or CD, or you're here in the congregation. You want to receive Jesus for the first time. Or secondly, you want to make a recommitment. You've given your life to Him, but you realize that you've got compromise. You want to give your whole heart to Him tonight. Thirdly, you just want to be assured of your salvation. You're not sure. Enemy messes with you, tells you you're not saved. If that's you, on the count of three, any of those categories, want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. Secondly, want to recommit your life to Him. Or thirdly, just want to be assured of your salvation on the count of three. Slip your hand up unashamed. One, two, three. Do it right now. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Praise God. Come on, let's just reaffirm our faith. God bless you. Those of you online, God bless you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's reaffirm our faith. Pray right out loud. Right out loud with me. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave. Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. And be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Would you slip your hands up? Holy Spirit, come touch, fill your people. Fill and touch. Touch your people now. I just want to release one prophetic word. And it's to this precious lady right here. Tell me your name, ma'am. I have a word for you. Can you tell me your name? Jan, have I met you before? Okay, Jan, I've got a word for you. There's some plans that you have. You're thinking. uh, There's some things that are in your heart. And you're asking the Lord to confirm, even in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And this would be one of the confirmations. There's there's some things that you're treasuring. And those are hidden from me exactly what that is. But the Lord shows me. The Lord shows me that you're right on track. All the confirmation will come through. This is one. Is this making sense? This is one of them. It'll come two other times. Come in the Word. Might even come through somebody giving you a word like I am now. You will know. And then, and I don't know all that this means, but the glory, the glory of your home is going to return. And 
Now that's encrypted. I could say it another way. That's the, that's the gracious. And I, I don't think, I mean, I know you're on fire. I know you serve God. I believe you serve God like all your life. Most of your Lord, heal her, heal her wrist. Heal her wrist right now. Come on. Come on. Let the glory of the Lord come upon her home in a new dimension, upon her life. Jesus, heal her wrist. You might check that out, see if all the pain is gone. That happens regularly around here. Come on, just lift your hands and worship God. We're going to close in just a second. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your word. A lamp into a feet of light upon our path. Fill and touch your people. Fill and touch them right now. Jesus. 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 Fill your people, Lord.
get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready. The gift of the evangelist is going to come even stronger now upon you. Even tomorrow you're going to have a divine appointment. You're not one that's ashamed or afraid to move away from the stirring of my spirit. The Lord says I'm going to give you some divine appointments that are going to be very, very critical even from the places that those people will come from. You're going to be bold to testify. And I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you. I'm going to use your, your giftings. I'm going to use your crafts. I'm going to use your talents. And I'm going to open doors. The gift of the evangelist. To operate a new way. Lord, touch Ron. Touch Linda right now. Listen, you don't have to necessarily be up here. I see them looking out and I'm seeing the power of the Holy Spirit on people out in the congregation. You just... Just receive right now. Heal and touch. Alright. She's asking for an increase in gifts. Some of you need to do the same thing right now. Holy Spirit. Quicken her mind. Let it just be like second nature. Quicken her mind. In the area of technology. Now. Rubber neck, people. I'm not talking. <laughs> Don't be a spectator. Come on, go after God. If you need to go, I understand. Labor to enter into my rest. Labor to enter into 
says the Lord, says the Lord, labor to enter into my rest, labor to enter into my rest, labor to enter into my rest, says the Lord, says the Lord, everybody labor to enter into my rest, labor to enter into my rest. Labor to enter into my rest, says the Lord, says the Lord, your God. Fire the Holy Spirit to burn off every obstacle, to warm at night, to bring comfort and strength. Fear, go. Grace, flow. Grace, 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 I speak over you. Grace, grace, grace. Unmerited favor and blessing. Unmerited favor and blessing come upon you, says the Lord. Unmerited favor, blessing coming upon you, says the Lord. Coming upon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the enemy that you see today, you will see no more forever. And even as Moses was led through the Red Sea, lifted up the rod of God. They were to hold their peace. The Lord says, woman of God, hold your peace. Keep your peace. If a servant enters into a home and says, peace to this house, and his peace comes to rest, then heal the sick and set the captives free. But if your, your peace does not come to rest, then shake off your shoes as a sign of judgment. For worse in that day will it be for Sodom and Gomorrah. The Lord says, I'm going to give you a gift of peace and you must hold it. You must keep it. You must labor to enter into it. Do not let fear grab a hold of you or enter into your thoughts and your thinking. Stay away from people who, who harbor fear, who are breeding that, who would try to, to put that on you even in subtle ways. And in the end, you will cross through that, that place of impossibility onto the other side and you will be my Miriam. Ooh. You will be my Miriam with the timbrel and the dance and the prophetic word and the declaration. I see you leading people in worship. I see you like a Miriam leading people in worship. Good things lie ahead for you. Not evil plans to prosper. A hope and a future. Be encouraged. Peace. I give you. I almost have like a I almost have like a ticker tape of prophetic stuff here. It's just, it's just running, 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 running. So, just so much. Father, I pray for 
most precious one that you have given me in my church. I pray as for Pastor God that you would come upon her today. That you would help her. I pray a covering over her. Over her life. I command every decree of the enemy to be broken. The attack of the wicked one to cease and desist. The accuser of the brethren to silence your mouth in the name of Jesus. Silence your mouth. Even as the teeth of the wicked are broken, so may your teeth be broken. In Jesus' name. Touch her. Let her know she's not alone. That there's many that are standing with her. More are with you than are against you. More are with you than are against you, says the Lord. Amen. Fire the Spirit of God. Burn it off. Give her wisdom. Give her everything she needs. given this word many times before, but it's the one that I have for you. And it's a good one. It's a picture that hung on my wall. I'd given my heart to Jesus. My life was totally destroyed. I was 25 years old. No hope in the natural. I burned everything to the ground. I used to stare at this picture on the wall of my mom's house. And it was two paths. Both of them looked beautiful. And it said under the bottom of the picture, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. As you know Him, and as you make Him known, as you press in in your intimacy with Him, He's going to show you the whole thing. You don't have to be afraid. Gosh, I have this other thing, which is you're not going to make any more mistakes. It's going to be like there's going to be a grace that comes on you and you're going to make right decisions as you walk in covenant with those in this house. Healing Jesus! Jan, would you come? Healing Jesus! Healing Jesus! Healing Jesus! Healing Jesus! Pull you out by your roots in the name of Jesus. I pull you out by your roots in the name of Jesus. Come on, just pray in the Holy Ghost if you're here. Pray in the Spirit. Lord, touch. You know, God is releasing new power upon us. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's a new day. It's a new hour. Come on, get yours. Don't get left out. Go after God. 
Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, heal. Put your hand on your Lord is jealous over you. He's jealous over you. He's a jealous God. Now here's what this means. It's not like a jealous boyfriend. He's a jealous God. But what that means is this. What that means is is that anything in your life that is hindering the move of my spirit, says the Lord. Anything in your life that is that is hindering love, and I don't mean relational love. I'm, I mean the agape Father, the Father heart of God, the love of the Father. Anything that hinders that, He will hunt down and He will kill. He will hunt it down with a vengeance and it will fail. And that means if there's places in your life where where the Lord is trying to move in a new dimension, but these things are holding that up, then He'll make sure that that fails so that you come to Him and He orders your days. He orders your steps. And He's ordering your steps. Lord, I just pray now healing, touch, wisdom, power, anointing. No more wilderness. Lord, bless and touch us. More. 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 More, Lord. More. Go deep. As deep calls unto deep. As deep calls unto deep. So she calls on you tonight. Holy Spirit, do what you want to do. Do what you love to do. Healing Jesus. Yes, Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Hallelujah. On track, sure and true. Steady. Stay steady. Don't change a thing. <laughs> Amen. You're like, whoa, trip. Lift your voice and lift your lift your eyes to the hills where your help comes from. Your help comes from the Lord. There's only giants in the promised land, people. Giants are in the promised land. They don't hang out in the wilderness. There's nothing there. Great. Got some giants? Good. It's a good sign. <laughs> Touch. 
Yes, Lord. Strength, wisdom. Every giant, there's wisdom to take every giant down. And there's different giants. The five giants, there's five giants, Goliath, but then there was brothers, right? Well, you look at all the names of the giants. They all have different meanings. It's a different wisdom to kill whatever giant's before you. God's going to give you the wisdom that's, that you need. He's going to give it to you. After all, He says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask. And your Heavenly Father will give it to you liberally, not conservative, not like a drop, a deluge, a gully washer. I heard that once from somebody else. A gully. <laughs> a gully washer, right? A gully. Oh, this is crazy. I don't think I can sing it to the keys. Can you hold on one second? This is for you. His love is deeper than a holler, stronger than a river, higher than a pine tree growing strong up on the hill. No matter what's before you, all the days of your life, you will have victory. <laughs> you too. Amen. 
Well, we've just sort of caught the wind of the Holy Ghost a little bit here towards the end of the service. Hopefully that you've been encouraged and strengthened in your faith and built up. Amen? Did you get something from God tonight? Come on, let's just formally close. And uh, I just have a word for the people that are online tonight. If you're online and you're in the vicinity of the church, the Lord wants you to come to church. He wants you to get off of your couch. He wants you to get away from your desk and come live here to service. That would be Sunday morning at 10, Sunday night at 6. And if you'll do that on a regular basis, He's going to help you and strengthen you and give you the desires of your heart. As you submit, as you grow, as you learn to pray and flow, the greatest blessings are yet ahead of you. So get off the couch come to church. And if this is not the church for you, there is one for you. There's a lot of great ones. Crossroads just up the street. What times are services, anybody? Sunday morning, anyone else? 9 and 11. I know if we're too wild or something, I don't know. I think they're more wild than we are, frankly. Go there. Go, look, find a place to go. Go to Northgate. Go find a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, anointed church. Go there. Plant your roots down. Serve God. And be a part of this revival that's in Alaska. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Take someone by the hand. I don't know that I've done a church advertisement for other churches before, but I think it's a good thing. Don't go to a dead church. Don't go to a dead one. If you're in a dead church and you can stay on fire, you're a better believer than me. I can't do that. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing, for what you've done, and all that you're going to do. You are our great God. You're strong and mighty, powerful. You know everything. And we bless your holy name tonight. And thank you so much that you are performing and perfecting everything concerning us. Bring the Mac Daddy outpouring of your Spirit upon us. Let us, Lord, be good keepers of the oil reservoirs in our life. Let us be like the five wise. Set this place on fire and bring a massive outpouring, multiple services, doubling by December. Give us the gifts we need. Ah, God, we thank and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. Praise God.